Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. Today is Saturday morning, October 5th. I'm here, your co-host Mark Hogan, along with Derek Randall. Derek? Hey, good morning, Mark. Morning. So, uh, for most of our listeners, folks that listen to us, we apologize. We went on a little bit of a week-long hiatus there. Life caught up to both of us, so uh, we just unfortunately... Uh, but we'll quickly recap at the very beginning just um, wins and losses here from last week and then we will dive right into our previews our matchups from last week and then our previews here going into uh, this week as well. So looking forward to a nice jam-packed episode. Derek, anything to add before we get started here? No, no. Um, all on board with everything you just said. Cool. Um, so how about we'll just um, we'll look back at the week four results. I, I think we got to jump back to or week three. Week three, I right. apologize. Yes. Um, so we'll just uh, pull up week three here real quick. And... I guess while we're pulling it up, we'll just highlight. So there were definitely some uh, trades that went down here over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, some people agree with certain trades. Some people don't. But just like to say, I don't think there's. That um, are without of reason. In thinking that someone won or lost a trade versus a trade that you think guys are just dumping their players. So um, big difference in what happens. Never know in fantasy. And a lot of times when you think that someone won that side of the trade, uh, you know, there's a good, good portion of the time that the trade actually backfires or operates in reverse. Um, so maybe, I don't know, Derek, do you just want to hit on that Devonte Adams trade real quick? Yeah. So basically I sent, um, Stefan Diggs, Austin Eakler, and Miko Hardman to Caleb for Devontae Adams. So three for one, Caleb easily has the least startable players on his team and desperately needed to make a trade um, if he's even looking to try to make the playoffs. Um, I, I thought it was fair. Basically, I gave him three pieces he can start regularly and I got yeah I got the best player in the deal but you know what went along with it was all of my team's depth I think like what's interesting about that trade is like the, the first time we're talking about it is two weeks later uh, yeah but we even said you know people were up in arms about it I literally said what if Devontae Adams gets hurt like yep I said that right after the trade and no one everyone looked over oh it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen well, what if it does? Because then you don't have any of those three guys. Now, let's be, let's be honest. Stefan Diggs hasn't done shit since you moved him. Um, the uh, he has seventeen has last been week. A guy that what's that? Stefan Diggs had his best game of the uh, the season last week with seventeen points. Yeah, I guess in a full PPR, he's done something. Um, only only last week, but yeah, right. And but I have a feeling he's going to bounce back this week against the Giants as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, and then he also got Hardman, another guy who's been doing well. 
Um, you know, I believe that week he had a hundred yards and a touchdown and, uh, obviously Austin Eakler, who has still been, um, basically a top three fantasy running back, uh, over the course of the year of now, of course, everyone knows that Melvin Gordon is back and he's going to cut into that workload, but I don't think Austin Eakler is going away. And I think he can still be a viable, uh, flex play every here and there. And if you don't have a second running back in this league, He's someone that, especially in a full PPR, you could easily see yourself playing. Yeah, and the week that I traded him, Austin Eakler, Eakler had 30 points. Um, <laughs> so, and um, actually, just to hit on some numbers, so that week that the trade happened, Eakler had 30, uh, Stefan had 17, and Hardman had like two points. So he had his worst game of the year. Devontae Adams had 28 points and acquired turf toe and is going to miss this week and possibly more. Yeah. So that was the risk I inherited going into this trade is I traded so many players away and Eakler coach Anthony Lynn has come out and said, he's not going anywhere. And a lot of times as coach speak, you're like, okay, whatever. Well, Melvin Gordon's come out and has said the exact same thing. He said, I expect Austin Eakler and I to go back and forth Definitely. on these drives. And I think, so, I think Eakler is probably the preferred back on passing downs. Yep. So um, in a full PPR, he holds value. And um, I, th- I think at the end of the day, there is a very realistic scenario where we look at this into the end of the year and Caleb ends up winning the trade just because you did trade a lot of pieces. Um, with that being yes. said, Devontae Adams is going to crush certain spots um, and he's still going to return as well. And you also made other good moves to kind of offset that trade for instance your Jarvis Landry pickup which I don't know I don't know who dropped Jarvis Landry in the free agency but uh, <laughs> my god and I, I I was I was upset that I missed on him because you barely outbid me I forget what the, the numbers were but it was like not by much uh, <laughs> so let's hit on that for a second first off Carl dropped him um, Carl already has more wins than he had all of last season I'm pretty sure so He's three and one best start he's had um, since joining the league. And I would say it's a, that was a move with overconfidence. You can't drop someone like Jarvis Landry. So I bid 20, I believe I bid $28 on him. You, you, and, you outbid me by like three bucks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Jack texts me the next morning. He bid 27. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone so, was in the same realm of knowing what he could have gone for. Yes. Um, and you just ended up being the one that just barely squeaked by with the most, uh, most, most, uh, the highest bid here. So, yeah. So that's panned out pretty well. Um, I can't believe yeah. that though. In a full PPR, how do you drop Jarvis Landry? It just, that blows my mind. Yeah. You, you just, you can't do it. I mean, yeah, he wasn't putting up any big games, but he still wasn't out there putting up ones and twos. It was like, eight seven and a half eleven like why would you drop somebody you can't drop someone that early in the season players regress like they regress to the mean whether it's upwards or downwards so um we've we've seen it with multiple players you know everyone was talking about how Dak Prescott was um the best quarterback in the league and you know he's came down to earth now like it's you know, guys go up and down. Like, this is what happens, especially when you have soft or, or, or tough matchups throughout the year. So, um, really a boneheaded move by Carl. <laughs> um, all right. So, let's just highlight quickly what happened. Uh, well, let, 
let's go back to the trade a little bit because a lot of the distaste from people came back to who was involved in the trade. Me, who I'm being told is a notorious trade ripoff artist. And then Caleb, who people think is incompetent when it comes to fantasy football. Um, So I just want to go back to Caleb and I's trade last year. I pulled up the numbers on this. So we made the trade in week 11 of last year. I traded for Devontae Adams again. I traded for Devontae Adams and gave him Trey Burton, Mark Ingram, and T.Y. Hilton. Okay, so we had three more weeks of those players in the regular season. I think we had to defend this one as well, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This there was a huge argument again. So, um, in the final three weeks of the the fantasy regular season, Devontae Adams scored sixty seven point eight points. Ty, one player in the trade, scored seventy one point seven. Ty, one of the guys that gave up, outscored Devontae Adams. Mark Ingram. 35.7. Trey Burton sucked, 6.7. But Mark Ingram, I looked at his uh, next best running back was Jalen Richard, who Mark Ingram blew away. So he drastically blew that trade into Caleb's favor. And if I'm not mistaken, Caleb came on pretty strong at the end of the year, but our argument was that he should have made the move earlier, which, you know, now he did. He made this kind of move earlier in yep. the season. So um we'll see what happens here but you know i i I think people undervalue the fact that you know if you're gonna get three different pieces yeah all those guys might not be the same player as Devontae adams but it can really balance out your team and raise your floor um so i think people forget that um having a high floor is just as important as having a high ceiling sometimes agreed agreed Yes. Let's go into um, just we'll just run quickly through these because I want to highlight more week four recap and week five preview. Um, I'd love to just say, like, I'm so happy that I uh, drafted the Bears defense and spent a relatively higher pick. I think I spent like a 10th round pick on them or 11th round pick on them. Um, But I knew that this league, this league, it's so important to have good defense. We see it every single week. Um, and Chicago defense literally won the game for me against uh, Andres here. So um, I just got – I feel really good about that one. Um, and, you know, that was a close matchup. Plus, I threw out Daniel Jones, and he, he balled out. I played him in DFS that week, too, and made a bunch of money off of him. Um, and then we'll just kind of run through, like, you know, Kuhar. I mean – Kuhar is, like, having some weeks where he puts up really high points, but he's just getting outscored. Um, Nate's team literally threw up a 180 on him uh, with Alvin Kamara leading (laughs) the way. We had Dennison and and Jack, it looks like. Um, Dennison got squeaked out by Jack that week. Um, You know, Mahomes leading the way for for Dennison here, but – but Jack had Cooks, who put up a 20 spot, which I really think personally was the difference maker in that one. Um, who we always say is up and down, and you even saw it this week. And he got hurt this week, so we'll see what happens with that. Yep. Um, Caleb lost. He put up 111, um, but he got – I forget who goal-cleated Shark is, but they threw up – That's Carl. Five. Carl had Phil Lindsay with 29 points. Um, he balled out that week, but I don't really suspect that happening 
on a week-to-week basis. I think he's Phil Lindsay is always a guy that's going to have certain weeks here and there. Um, but with the state of that Denver offense, you can't rely on him every single week. People who don't watch the games and just look at the box score and the fantasy points don't realize what's happening in Denver. Royce Freeman is coming on, and he the reason Philip Lindsay did so good is Royce left with an injury for two drives, and that's where both of Philip Lindsay's touchdowns came from. They he stole the work that Royce usually would have had, and Royce still came back into the game and had double digit points. He's taking over the lead job by the end of the season. I don't see. I, I disagree with that to a certain extent. I I don't feel opposite of it by any means. I just think it's a full blown committee. Like I think that they feel really comfortable with having two backs with two different running styles. So I think they just complement each other really well. I think there's always going to be a role in this offense for Lindsay. Yeah, Royce Freeman could end up taking a larger share of the work uh, workload by the end of the season, but um, I think they're both going to have significant roles, which just kind of cut into each other's value, which is why I think that Phil Lindsay is kind of a guy that's going to be relatively inconsistent because of that, and combine that with the fact that you know Denver's run defense is just really not that good, so these guys are both going to be playing in a lot of pace-down games. A lot of teams are just going to run it down their throat keep the Denver offense off the field and then just, you know, the Denver offense isn't the most effective either when they are on the field. So I just think their time of possession is going to be down across the board. And these guys are going to knock it the same number of opportunities as other players throughout the league. Denver's a much better team than their record shows. Oh, I disagree. I really disagree. And I think things things are going really wrong for them right now too. And I think their defense is trash. What's that? Their defense is trash, but I think their offense is underrated. I think their offense is pretty good. I I, I, um, I, I think their offense can only be as good as their defense plays, if that makes any sense. I, like, I agree. You know, Flacco's more of a game manager. If, if their defense can't stay off the field, like their offense is not going to be able to be on the field as much. Like It's just simple math. Um, and, you know, uh, the defense is going to – I, I really just think they're going to play in a lot of pace down games. Um, and it's not like Joe Flacco is lighting it up like a Patrick Mahomes or anyone like that. So um, I just don't really like having a lot of stock in anyone in this Denver offense right now, just because I don't think you can rely on him every single week. Um, moving on, just, just for the sake of time here, Keenan Allen went off for Jimmy that week. That was the week he put up 43 points against the Houston secondary. Cooper Cup, uh, you know, we had been talking about this all offseason and going into this season. We thought he was a tremendous value at where he was being kept at. Um, and I think we unanimously agreed that, you know, he was just one of, one of those guys that um, when he's healthy, he is the number one player, number one receiver in that offense, and Goff prefers going to him. And yes. And then lastly, uh, ChristianMingle.com against uh, Derek here did squeeze a, a game out. Uh, Mark Ingram threw up 35 and a half points uh, and, and also had Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Julio and Greg Olson had a good week, but um, it was the ineffectiveness of the uh, rest of the – really not, not even ineffectiveness. This was just a good matchup. Um, a lot of close matchups this week. A lot of people putting up roughly 150. So the points were very evened out for the week three. 
uh, recap here. And we're going to see that change drastically as we move over into the week four recap. <laughs> yeah. So let's really dive into these and, and we'll take some more time. Um, week four was just, I thought, very bizarre. Um, there was a lot of lower scoring games um, or lower scoring teams, but also some teams that just had, had all of the dudes. Um, so, Maybe we'll just um, start with your game. You want to dive into your matchup here against, uh, who is this, Lennon? Yeah, Lennon, I'm pretty certain has the highest points against. this. <laughs> his team, I think he was the third highest scoring team of the week and takes home a loss. He's one in three um, with a phenomenal team, but it's going to come back around. So I had Nick Chubb go absolutely wild with 39 points. Um, and really just going down my entire lineup, a lot of my guys. Well, actually, not even. I guess I had Andy Dalton put up 3.6, and then Greg Olson was 2.5. Everybody else pretty much was uh, consistent or dominant. And it didn't matter because you had Dalton on Monday Night Football, and I think you had already won the game at that point, right? Uh, I was pretty certain. Um, and then I realized the next morning how much closer it was because he had James Conner. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, and I, I had no idea until Tuesday when I checked <laughs> to see if I won. I was like, oh, he was within eight points. Yeah, because Connor had a pretty good game there. Although Jalen Sam, so I would just like, I don't know. Did you watch any of that game? Yeah, I watched I watched the majority of it. Jalen Samuels had a huge role. They ran um, the Wildcat very frequently, and it was extremely effective. I don't think that's the game plan every single week. I think, it can't be. I think that was just, you know, they saw – uh, some weaknesses and the Cincinnati linebackers are like the worst linebackers in the NFL. They're terrible. Um, they're, they're like the defensive line is actually like, if you look at their roster on the defensive line, they're actually okay. Um, but the linebackers are so bad that they can't even like fill simple gaps. So, um, you know, I think the Steelers just saw that on tape and they were just like, you know what? We've got two quality running backs here that we can, we can throw out. Let's just, Run the Wildcat with James Conner and Jalen Samuels, and it worked all night. Yeah, it, it couldn't have been an easier win. Um, with that Steelers offense, though, yeah, they got the win, but, man, you got to start to be getting worried with everybody on that team, really, except for maybe Deontay Johnson, who seems to be the favorite receiver there. Juju's not even getting looks. So for a guy that was taken off the board as a high-end wide receiver one, um his stock is flying down. I don't even think he's a wide receiver three at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I said this for other reasons at the beginning of the season. Like I really yes. felt like, you know, I really felt like Juju was just going to get a lot of attention. Um, I felt like the offense was a lot less dynamic without Antonio Brown. And, um, you know, obviously the Ben Roethlisberger injury made it that much worse. Um, so I do, even though Tyreek Hill got hurt, I feel like Tyreek Hill is going to come back and ball out. Luckily for you, Derek, it's not happening this week. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I I just felt like Juju, I was even overpaying for as a, I want to say, fourth round keeper. Um, and he I, I don't think I don't think he's really even performing as a fourth round player right now. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough sledding here for that Pittsburgh passing game. I still feel OK about James Conner. Like I. I don't mind him, especially in a full PPR. I just think he's going to get the volume and workload. Like, I, I know Jalen Samuels is continuing to carve out a role here, but 
Um, I think they just complement each other and make the offense more effective anyways and keeps them on the field. So um, I have no problem with James Conner here moving forward still. Yeah, I think he's the only player that you can really start with any sort of confidence right now. And I, I wouldn't even fire him up as anything more than an RB2. Um, don't expect a lot out of him. But all, all those receivers are so – they're fluctuating so much and you can't trust them and we can't really trust anything in that Steelers offense until we see Mason Rudolph start to throw deep like I'm not sure you know I feel bad for Lennon Lennon is just one of that is just that team this week he is the Carl of last year where like yeah you know you look at his roster it's pretty good but he just keeps getting unlucky with his matchups I mean he's got Dalvin Cook who many argue is the best running back in the game right now um, yep. Cooper Cup is more than viable. Adam Thielen, I think, is going to improve. He's going to regress the mean a little bit here. Um, I really think, and we're gonna we'll hit on this again, but you know, against the Giants, like the Vikings, there's a lot of pressure to incorporate the passing game this week. I think the Vikings, you know, try to air it out a little bit more, and I think they find some success against the Giants cornerbacks. Uh, DeAndre Baker is literally um, the I think DeAndre Baker has allowed 300 uh, yards in the air over the course of the season so far. <laughs> that is the second worst in the NFL. And who, the, the guy who's third worst is Janoris Jenkins on the other side of the field at 297 yards. So, yeah, um, I feel actually pretty good about the Vikings receivers if you're playing them uh, here in, in this week, as long as Stefan Diggs plays, because that's a little, a little bit concerning there as well. Well, both of them have been very vocal about how much they hate this new offense, the run first approach. So this is one of those situations as they call it um, the squeaky wheel treatment. <laughs> so I, I think usually when a player complains like that, they come out and get peppered with targets. Yeah. So it happens almost not a hundred percent of the time, but it's majority of it's the a- time it happens in the NFL. So I wouldn't be surprised if Diggs plays, which I don't think he's not going to play. Um, you know, that both of those guys will get some, some good work here. So if Diggs doesn't end up playing and if he gets benched, then I think we have to expect him to get traded because you don't bench a star yeah. receiver and expect if, it to go over well the rest of the season. If he gets benched, there is something much worse going on behind the scenes that um, that we don't know about. But, um, you know, I think that um, – I think I think we'll be okay. So, yeah, I think regardless, this is a really good situation for Stephon Diggs and Caleb's team because he's either going to one go out there and get a shitload of targets and catch a lot of balls, or he's going to get traded to a team that'll actually use him. All right, so let's move on here because we're starting to get into the next week, but we'll move on to the recap of uh, looks like Tackett and uh, my computer is loading here. Tackett and uh, Carl. So Carl beat Tackett out here. Tackett is now two and two. And you know, isn't that more losses than he had all of last season? I think he only had one loss last season. I can't remember that, but yeah, I mean Tackett, uh, for as dominant as a team of of what it looks like he has, um, you know, I think most of it just comes down to DeAndre Hopkins not really putting up the fantasy numbers yet that you would expect out of DeAndre Hopkins. Um Tackett is also banged up and, you know, he can't, he hasn't really, he can't rely on Kirk Cousins. So he only has 
again, this is a two quarterback league basically, or a second, a super flex league. Yep. Um, so he doesn't have a second quarterback to play in that OP spot. So his floor is a little bit lower, which is why his team is a little bit more susceptible to losses this year. Yeah. Which this, with the DeAndre Hopkins situation, I want to ask you moving forward, do you think DeAndre Hopkins is still the number one overall fantasy wide receiver? Uh, number one overall, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to maybe like outpace like a Julio or Michael Thomas just because of his slow start. But I, I mean, moving forward, like points say this week, if everyone on... started at zero, I think he's, he's right there. I mean, like, okay. again, it's like you're cutting hairs, like you're, or, you know, you know, you're, between you're, him and you're, Julio split, and... you're splitting hairs again with these kinds of players. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins gets it rolling like, Honestly, dude, Deshaun Watson missed him for a touchdown, like pretty much a, a big touchdown that should have happened. He just didn't make the throw. Um, you know, if that happens, Hopkins has double the points. Uh, Houston ends up winning that game, and no one's really that concerned about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins puts up his projected close to 18 points in a full PPR if that play happens. So um, I – I see better days here for DeAndre Hopkins. Not too worried about him. I just think it's uh, been kind of a slow start here so far. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Texans offense is about to take off. Um, not only DeAndre Hopkins, but Will Fuller included. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about Will Fuller here uh, this week. I think he's a kind of a sneaky DFS play. Um, I don't really have too many options at receiver this week in this league, so I'll probably have to roll him out as well. Um but, uh, I mean, DK Metcalf, I know he put up 1.6 points last week. But, you know, I think if anyone has watched these Seattle games, uh, Metcalf, you know, he's better than we were. We were really pumping him down at the, at the yep. offseason here. But um, he can play, man. He can. He's not going to be your number one fantasy receiver or anything like that, I don't think, really at any point. Um, but what he is going to be is a strong red zone target, and he's going to consistently get red zone looks. So um, he's a good wide receiver three, in my opinion. Agreed. I think he's uh, a, one of those guys who's a low floor, high ceiling wide receiver three, um, which if you have someone like Hopkins and T.Y. Hilton, which Tackett does, to round out your receiver core with Metcalf, that's a pretty good trio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Metcalf is going to be up and down. So, like, the thing is, he's just not going to be the most consistent player. But um, John Brown is kind of a good mix with him because he can offset him and, um, you know, kind of put up those, you know, four for 74 games on a consistent basis there. So, um, but, I, but I think playing those two guys, like, he needs someone else more explosive. I know he's going to probably play T.Y. Hilton again here moving forward. Um so it'll be interesting to see who he decides to play more of, Metcalf or John Brown. Yeah, personally, I like John Brown more, but uh, we'll see what he decides moving forward. It might be one of those situations where if it's a, a matchup that he feels pretty comfortable with, you start John Brown. If he feels like the underdog, go Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, like you play Hilton, Alshon, and then if Cousins can pick it up here. But, um, you know, I think. God, I forgot he had Alshon. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so he's got Alshon as well. So, I mean, ideally, he can throw Cousins back in at that OP spot um, and raise his floor here. But um, if Cousins keeps playing bad, that's going to be tough. I think I think Cousins will improve a little bit here, though. So This Vikings offense, I know it works. Like, Dalvin Cook 
is an amazing running back. But what they've done as far as their game plan for this season does not sync up well with the signing of Kirk Cousins. If you want Kirk, Kirk Cousins is a guy that needs to throw 35 times a game in order to produce. He is not a guy. He's one of those guys that's better the more he throws. If you just give him 12 throws a game, it's going to be bad. So I don't understand why. And they pay him all that money in order to run the ball every time. Like, it, it, this offense is stupid. Like, it makes no sense um, with the players that they have. So It just doesn't make sense. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I've watched all of these games. Personally, what I think they need to do more of is – they need to incorporate two tight end sets because they have a viable player in Irv Smith. He's actually really good. and they're He's out-producing uh, Rudolph. And they're underutilizing him right now. I, I personally think you throw out double tight end sets. So you have Rudolph and you have Irv Smith and you have Hilton, or I'm sorry, Diggs and Thielen as your X and Y. And then you got Cook in the backfield. So you know, when you look at that, every single you, – you still have five skill players on the field, but you're still in a run-heavy formation, and you can just run dives and stretch plays and then run it back with play-action plays all day. Yep. Um, and Kirk Cousins is good when he can operate out of a play-action and also um, not be under as much pressure. So um, – if Cook can continue to run the ball effectively, which I don't see any reason why he can't, theoretically a play-action kind of offense would make the most sense in my opinion. So we'll see if um, if the uh, Vikings offensive coordinator listens to me and incorporates that this week. <laughs> um, but personally, that's that's what I think would kind of solve their problems here a little bit. On, on paper, they have one of the best offenses in all of football. I mean, that, that core that you just named of uh, those skill players – plus the backup to Dalvin Cook being Alexander Madison, who's really, really good. I mean, they I feel so confident in that offense that it makes no sense for them to be running it the way they do. So yeah. hopefully they change it up. Uh, let's move on here. We'll dive into – I'm just trying to pull it up right now. We'll dive into Jack and Caleb's game. <laughs> this is one of those situations of – um, Jack was that team that had all the players that went off last week. Yeah. And Caleb, basically the players I traded him went off and everybody else sucked. Yep, exactly. Um, I mean, if Caleb didn't make that trade with you, he would, he could have been looking at less than like 50 points here. So. Right. And I don't know. He left Stefan Diggs on the bench in favor of Paul Richardson and John Ross, which I, I don't, sometimes I don't know what he's doing. Um, it's like, why Why do you make that trade and then not, like, only play – like, you played Hardman and Eclair, but he didn't play Diggs. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think he's overvaluing – I've always felt like – I think I even said this, but I don't see John Ross continuing what he did at the beginning of the season throughout the season, and I think we saw that, and now he's hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah, now he's on IR. Yeah, he's, he's out, so – I mean, I think Caleb has to be playing digs moving forward. I think he dropped Antonio Brown finally. And uh, we'll see what happens here with Damian Williams. Right. But, um, yeah, it's not looking good for Caleb here. 
um, regardless of, of these moves. Like, and Jack's team, just everyone, Chris Godwin obviously did decent. Um, you know, uh, I mean, his team, it's not like he had anyone that completely went off, but he just, everyone produced. Like, Godwin had 41. Why am I only seeing – oh, I'm seeing that. Yeah, Godwin went off. I don't know why I said he did decent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Godwin went off. If Godwin doesn't go off, he's right there with the rest of the league at like a – well, not for this week, but normally like 150 is kind of like your your good average, um, and 130 is like, you know, at risk of losing your game. Um, so, right. you know, if Godwin doesn't have that 41 point game, it's pretty much on par with the, the teams that win. And obviously with him going off that, you know, really set him, separated him here. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, his team just overall performed. Um, the only guy who went nuts was Godwin. Everybody else was just solid through and through. So if, if he can keep that up, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. I think, um, and he just moved Aaron Jones, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, big shocker. I'm I'm shocked he did that. Um, in the sense that he could have kept him in the like 15th round again next year, but he got Juju in return. It was basically so he traded Aaron Jones and Curtis Samuel for Juju and Carryon Johnson. Aaron Jones and and Carryon Johnson are like equal. I might even prefer Carryon moving forward. And then he got Juju for Curtis. So, pretty good move by him. Yeah, he bought really low on Juju. Like, you know, again, like, Juju is not that top-tier value that some people probably thought he was at the beginning of the year. But he's got he's got some value, you know. Like, he's basically going to be playing, you know, Cooks, Godwin, and Juju. Um, so, basically, as is, like, wide receiver three here, Juju is – really that's I mean like really he's like a wide receiver too so um that's kind of what I imagine Cooks Godwin Juju with um although Cooks is out so he'll probably still have to sprinkle in like a Curtis Samuel or someone like that and then I think he's just hoping for AJ Green to come back at some point see what happens there Deontay Johnson could be a decent uh fill and play every once in a while um but I, I mean he's gonna have to start making the decision of I'm sure he's going to be just starting to bench Todd Gurley um, and playing carry on Johnson over him, just considering Todd. I mean, even when Todd Gurley has a good game, it's not like, like Todd Gurley has had some really good weeks here, but they've been very touchdown dependent. Yep. He doesn't look good. If you watch the Thursday night football game, like I did not think Gurley looked good at all. He just got in the end zone twice and that's all it was. Like he's not that amazing back that he was last year. Yeah, but, like, he keeps producing just because he is getting in the end zone. Like, it reminds right. me – it reminds me of – I don't know if any anyone out there played fantasy football back in, like, 2005 or 2006, but, like, Jerome Bettis. Um, <laughs> like, I had Jerome Bettis, um, and he had, like – I want to say he had, like, 15 touchdowns in one season and backed it up with, like, I don't know, maybe like 600 rushing yards, if that. Um, but like, I started him every single week. I was like, you know, I was a kid at the time, but like, my I won the fantasy championship that week because, or that year, because Jerome Bettis led the way despite only getting like five to 10 carries a game. So um, it kind of reminds me of that situation. I think he can continue to produce. Um, 
But Carrion Johnson is probably the safer play week to week as long as he can stay healthy. I agree. I agree as well. Um, Jack's team overall, I think they're it's a very inconsistent team looking at his players, but it's one of the best teams in the league. If you know what I mean, like it's one of those teams where one week they could go out, they could put up 110 points, and then the next week put up 190. Yeah. He, he's just starting to catch the injury bug. Like he really can't afford any more guys to get hurt at this point because with Cooks out, that does um, kind of lower his uh, ceiling a little bit here. So as long as no other guys get injured or anything like that, he could still be on track to um, continue to have a good year. Agreed. So moving forward, um, we haven't talked about – let's see. Oh, let's talk about um, Kuhar and Denison. So Kuhar blew Dennison out. Yes. First, first win. Um, Finally got a win. This is like so typical. Like Dennison is, has to be the guy that loses to Kuhar and gives Kuhar his first win. It just makes too much <laughs> sense. Um, and, and Kuhar had a week where Tom Brady only put up 3.7 points. And, and Mitchell Trubisky put up 0.4. And how, how did he beat him? Like, like I, I, it, I'm, I'm actually looking at this. Like, where did things go wrong here for Dennison? And this is why Dennison traded Juju because he's just like, I just lost to Kuhar because Juju, Juju gave me four and a half points. Yeah, and Kyle Allen had three point three four, and and the Ravens defense had negative six. <laughs> the Ravens defense against the Browns, like that has, and Dennison's a Browns fan. Like, come on, man! Like, you got to roll with your team, and right. Like, you're sitting there like, yes, Cleveland is – my team is doing well, but my fantasy defense is killing me right now. Like, this is the the problem with doing this. If you are a Browns fan, you can't roster the Ravens defense just out of sheer fanhood. Um, and, and Kyle Allen, he spent $61 on. He spent his entire fab budget, his remaining fab All budget of it. on Kyle Allen. Literally every last dollar. I, and and I, I get it because he has Cam Newton, but, like, still, like, it's just, like, you probably could have spent, like, 20 bucks on Kyle Allen and got him, if not definitely like, majority 30, and and you would have at least had some fab budget left. So, Dennison's team's in a little bit of trouble here. Um, I do like Aaron Jones, but, like, it doesn't really help him that much considering that he – I mean, like Aaron Jones isn't like a huge upgrade over Carryon Johnson. So um, personally, I just think it actually made his team worse. Agreed. I uh, this could be the year Dennison doesn't make the playoffs. We'll see. I think he. If, I think if he does, he's going to be that like the last team in kind of thing. Um, I mean, his team is still dangerous because he has Mahomes, Robinson, and Kelsey. Kelsey. So he's got a high floor, but. Um, you know, there's there's going to be – he's going to have some games like this. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, but this is, again, why defense is just, like, so important in this league. I honestly hate it. Like, I wish defense was a little bit more generous in this league, um, even despite me having the Bears this year. But still, um, it shouldn't be, like, as, as, as much weight as it has had on this league from year to year. If you're Denison – and you're in a hole like this, and th- there are holes all over his team. Like Robinson's not going to have a role when Tyreek's back. I personally, I don't think he's going to be out, out yeah. there. So it's then that means his starting receiver core is Larry Fitzgerald, Emmanuel Sanders, and then he has to decide every week between D.D. Westbrook, 
and Curtis Samuel and Josh and Gordon and Josh Gordon. I think like, I think he's I think Dennison's plan is to play Josh Gordon on a week to week basis. Um, I, I think kind of in hope for the best. Just putting putting myself in Dennison's shoes, that's what you have to bank on is Josh Gordon being Josh Gordon for the rest of the season. I think that can happen. Um, I think he could even have a really good week this week against Washington. But I, I think that trade definitely hurt him. Um, I, I think he needs to move Mahomes. I, if I were Dennison, I'd be looking at someone who has two average quarterbacks and flipping Mahomes for both of them. Like, I would have approached Jack with Mahomes and said, give me Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's a, Lamar Jackson's been great, but that's a trade that people will consider because of how consistently amazing Patrick. See, Mahomes. I think if I if I were Dennison, I would make if I would if I were to move Mahomes, I would have to get like two wide receiver ones, basically. Like I need to find someone that has a lot of good wide receivers and make a trade with them on that, uh, or get, um, you know, uh, like two quarterbacks and like a wide receiver too. So. Um, you know, two okay quarterbacks and a wide receiver too could also make sense for Mahomes as well. It does. And if, if I were him, I'd be exploring trade options like that. I would certainly be exploring trade options in general because um, right now it just doesn't look like there's a lot of good function here with this team. Uh, because Chris Carson in a full PPR is not going to do what he's done um, these last couple weeks here. Like, I just – He's going to get the volume, but I just don't um, – I think he is still kind of touchdown dependent. So, Yeah, and Rashad Penny, it, it's kind of funny. Rashad Penny looked terrible last year. We, we're going to say the same thing about Ronald Jones. Both of them were awful last year, looked like draft pick bust. This year, they are both coming on very strong. They look like the guys they were drafted to be. And both of them need to have a role on their respective offenses. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold firm on what I've said. Like, I don't think Rashad Penny is that – threatening the Chris Carson's job um I still think I totally disagree I I think you're wrong like Chris Carson is still the guy he got 27 carries or whatever that was on Thursday um and uh like he just he's still the guy And, and Pete Carroll is notorious for rolling with one guy in the backfield like uh he had the fumble issues but he's starting to. and they're gonna keep happening he I don't know I I think he, yeah, he might fumble once or twice again, but and he's like, gonna lose his job. I don't, I don't, I, I personally don't think so. Like, I think that they feel good about his running ability, that they're okay taking that risk with him, and I think he's getting better at holding on to the football. Like, at the end of the day, he's a more productive and complete player than Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny. And the one problem I have with Rashad Penny is I saw like a really when Rashad Penny came out. His ability and skills were top of the top of the charts, right? Like he looked like a Marshall Falk coming out of the same school as him. Like everyone was kind of making that comparison. But then when you learn about like the bat, his background and like he he doesn't have like that confidence that like an NFL primetime superstar has. And he personally, mentally, I just don't think he's completely there to be able to comprehend the NFL at the speed that it operates at. So um, I think that they see that with him. And I think that Chris Carson just is more mentally with it and, and can play at that high level where Rashad Penny is 
um, you know, showing that he just, he, he's not, he's not a quick thinker. Like at, at the end of the day, like I'm kind of calling him just like stupid to be honest. But, like, <laughs> like I, I truly feel that way. And I think that Chris Carson is going to hold on to this role. So I'm predicting by week 11. So week 10, once we reach end of week 10, Chris Carson has lost his job. To Rashad I, I don't think so. And I, I think that also Penny has health issues too. So um, I, I, I hold firm with it. Uh, I think Chris Carson is still a good player. He's a player you have to start every week. Um, I just – he's not going to have, like, 20-point games in a full PPR every week, and um, he doesn't really have that 30-point ceiling as well. You start him at, You start him every week until he loses his job. Like I, I, I don't think he's losing his job. Like, I, All right. We'll I don't agree to disagree world, on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a world where he loses his job here. So, All right. We'll revisit this week 11. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to that uh, yeah. so all right mark you sound like on. you got a lot of confidence in your prediction man yeah we'll move on um let's just move on what? to my game here and oh all right i gotta say like i'm three and one but like i've been super lucky i think i've scored like the least amount of points in this league and i'm just getting lucky with my matchups right now um, yeah that was a garbage win neither you or jimmy deserve to win that um <laughs> when the winner posts 91 points <laughs> Yeah, in a full PBR, it's pretty bad. So, like, you know, I just got lucky. Like, Jimmy has Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, and just luckily they didn't completely go off this week, and they went off the following week, um, or starting into week six here on Thursday. Um, I, I honestly, I'm just trying to bide my time. I'm waiting for Tyreek Hill to come back and trying to stay afloat until he comes back here. Like, that's kind of my game plan. Um, I had Le'Veon Bell on a bye this this past week as well um so this is probably one of the games where i was at the least amount of strength as possible um dj moore is not getting consistent looks with kyle allen so i kind of have to hope that cam newton comes back if he even does um so my my wide receivers are in trouble i've got like pretty good running backs i personally feel um like i I'm confident starting Montgomery over Devontae Freeman on a week-to-week basis, but that will be still matchup uh, focused. And um, I do feel good about my quarterback situation with Deshaun Watson and Daniel Jones. So Deshaun Watson hasn't been lighting that up, but I personally think that he will uh, regret again, regress to the mean here um, with DeAndre Hopkins. So even though my team's not putting up crazy numbers right now, I think there's better days ahead. And I think I've gotten lucky here while it, has been a slow start for me and um so i feel it coming on strong here going in the second half of the season luck has definitely been on your side when you need it most which is the beginning of the season yeah tyreek comes back and Le'Veon no longer has any bye week to look forward to i i and i think crowder when darnold comes back yeah it's gonna be a, a top end wide receiver three i i definitely am concerned as an opposing team with your team yeah, and I think like, like, like we'll talk about our matchup, and we can probably dive into that in a second here. It'd probably be a good transition. Um, but like, I think second half of the season, like Marquise Brown has shown his skill set. Um, he hasn't been doing what he was doing the first couple of weeks, but um, we see this with rookie rookie wide receivers all the time. Once they adjust a little bit more, like the second half of the season is really when they kind of take off. So, I got a feeling Marquise Brown is gonna continue to stay in my starting lineup i could probably see myself benching dj Moore at some point um 
yeah. maybe even when Hill comes back. Uh, and then that third spot, just kind of a week-to-week decision between like a Fuller, Crowder, um, and and that kind of that and, and DJ Moore, that kind of mix there. So um, I, I actually am, I'm throwing Ebron out there against you. Uh, ah, great. So hoping that you know your fanhood goes against you this week, and because uh, you like the Colts, right? Oh yeah, love Colts. So I I just is that a like, question? I feel like this is the week for Ebron. Like the Chiefs uh, with a high point total. Like he's got a decent matchup. The Chiefs are like the fifth worst team in the league against uh, fantasy points against tight ends. So um, I'm throwing him out there against Delaney Walker, who only had 19 snaps last week. Yeah. So Ebron is not good at catching a football. Um, we've all known this. And last week, I, I actually got Sunday ticket last week and watched that game. And Jacoby Brissett continues to blow my mind with how good he is. Um, he's he's really good. It makes sense why they invested in that contract for him and why they felt comfortable with him. And unfortunately, with T.Y. out, nobody on that team knew how to catch a ball. Uh, Ebron had three drops. Chester Rogers, I think, had two. And Paris Campbell, I believe, also had a, one drop. Um, had a touchdown where he ran the wrong route. So he missed the Hail Mary, which it would have been a wide open touchdown. And then he had a fumble inside the red zone. So he was in, in like zooming in on Brissett's face as Paris Campbell runs the wrong route was like after all the drops. And he, it, the guy's just like, what more do I need to do? Yeah. <laughs> so having TY back was going to solidify this offense the way it was prior to last week. And Ebron eventually is going to start catching those touchdowns. He caught a long one last week. Um, it, it's, I just wish for my fanhood sake that Ebron would learn how to hold on to a football. Um, but knowing my luck against you, he's probably going to catch two five yard touchdowns this week. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I guess we'll dive into that matchup. Is there anything you want to hit on with Jimmy's team before we move, uh, move into it though? Um, Jimmy's got a really good team, really, really good wide receivers. He's hurting it. His, um, QB two for sure. Cause his only option, well, actually he doesn't have one now because Keenum's hurt and not playing this week. And then it's probably gonna be Haskins or McCoy. Um, so he's got to make a trade for a second quarterback, I'd say, or he's got to play four wide receivers every week. Yeah. I think like, I think like me and Jimmy actually could be really good trade partners. Cause I have four quarterbacks right now. Um, yes. That makes and, sense. And yeah. I need a receiver as well. So, like, I think that there's a lot of room for that to make sense here. Um, you know, I think there, there's better days here for Calvin Ridley. Cortland yep. Sutton um, has shown that he's going to get some volume here. Uh, you can't really trust Carlos Hyde, so you can't throw him out there at all. Uh, you know, you got to just roll with Zeke and Marlon Mack. So, you know, perfectly fine with that. Keenan Allen's a beast, but there's always that has that injury question mark. Tyler Lockett, uh, clearly the number one. Uh, Sammy Watkins is going to hit it, take a downgrade here. Um, I think once once Tyreek Hill comes back again, and I think he's Sammy Watkins is turning back into that player that we thought he was in the offseason. Yep. Like everyone thought, Sammy Watkins was just going to be like the best wide receiver in fantasy after that first week there. So he hasn't um, done anything since he really hasn't done that much. I think, I think he still could, you know, he's still going to catch a touchdown here or there, but I don't think he's, I don't think that 
there's going to be another 175 yard three touchdown performance. Uh, so uh, overall, he's in a good spot, but he, you know, you, you gotta you gotta recognize these things before they start biting you here. Um, and with a tough loss to me this past week. Uh, and him already having two losses. I think he's going to win this week because of that Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett connection. But, um, you know, I think he's got to really evaluate making some sort of move here. So, If I were Jimmy, I'd be looking to give you Watkins or Sutton, which I know you just talked about not liking Watkins. But before you said that, that was my initial thought, was one of those two for Darnold or – Really, Darnold. I would go for Darnold if I were him. Yeah, like, I think like you're never going to start him personally. So you like, don't really do like him. Darnold or Minshew. Um, you know, for like a Watkins and Ridley or something like that. Like, I think that's kind of the realm. Like, I don't think he's going to want to move on from Allen or Lockett. Like, just because Lockett, you can pair up with Russell Wilson, and Allen is just like a blockbuster kind of deal. Um. But, like, again, Ridley and Sutton and Watkins are all guys that he could end up trading. Um, and I wouldn't mind Watkins just because I hold him until Tyreek. Right. You still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you cut out for a second. So – you're, you're saying it would cost him both Ridley and Watkins for Darnold? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just kind of throwing out, like, players that could be straight. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. So I'm just saying, like, like I'm not trying to propose a trade on the podcast here. I'm just saying, like, like again, Darnold and Minshew are both guys that, if I were him, I would consider um, for guys like Ridley, Sutton, Watkins. And I think Watkins would make a lot of sense for me because I have Tyreek Hill. So if Tyreek Hill gets hurt again or gets re-injured, I could plug Watkins back in there. So Watkins has more value to me than he has to Jimmy. This You you two, looking at your roster side by side, it, this is the most ideal trade scenario I think I've ever seen. You have yeah. a surplus of quarterbacks. He has a serious need for quarterbacks. He has a surplus of receivers. You could really use a receiver. So, yeah. I mean, something should happen between you two. It makes sense, so we'll see what happens. Um, but it, it's got to both the, the side, the, the, the actual trade has got to also make sense for both parties here. Um, right. So let's just let's just move into our preview here. We're running behind, so we're going to probably fly through this a little bit because I think we have previewed um, a little bit through the recaps. Well, let's have two words because we skipped Nate and Andres's matchup. Nate beat up on Andres. Um, Nate goes to four and zero. Andres goes to zero and four. Andres appropriately renamed his team. My name is Poop. We suck. Um, or my team is Poop and we suck. Andres's team is absolute garbage. We called it, you know, after the draft. Um, and we consistently said it besides him trying to justify his team. His team is not good. Um, definitely not making the playoffs unless he can make a trade, trade someone like Wentz for a couple guys. I don't know. But, um, yeah, Andres put up the lowest score again. I think he's done that like three out of four weeks this year. Yeah, he's he's in a bad spot. Like he definitely luck has not been on his side uh, versus me. So, um, you know, I think the difference is like again, he just didn't draft for enough value, um, and he reached reached for he guys reached for the wrong guys. Kind of blew my mind. So, 
What's that? Reached for guys and spots that kind of blew my mind. Like, again, yes. I think he was the team that went for – I want to say he was the team that went for O.J. Howard, right? No, that was Lennon. Oh, that was Lennon. Okay. Um, but, again, no, just... he kept Odell with his first-round pick, which was a weird move. Um, and then he reached for Baker, and then he drafted right. Joe Mixon in the second round. Right, right. Which were all picks that we disagreed with. And then he drafted a ton of um, backup running backs. And I think he only got – one start his only starter was Joe Mixon I think I think he drafted he drafted Penny he drafted uh Jalen Samuels he drafted um Kenyon Drake which we all made fun of but Kenyon's actually the starter right now it, it's just been it, it was just a wow a wow draft so we'll see what happens with his team moving forward yeah all right let's jump into our matchup here real quick uh going into week five Definitely not off to the best start here for you, as we talk about with defense. It's so important in this league, and Seahawks gave you a nice negative two spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was one of those things where I didn't really pay all that much attention to this before Thursday, and then Thursday came, and I was like, shit, the Seahawks played night. Well, I'm just going to roll with it and see what happens to that 15 last week. And uh, that was a bad call. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I mean, I, I know the Rams' offense hasn't been like the most functional, but like, even when they're not functional, like Jared Goff goes for like over 500 yards against the Bucks. Um, you know, like the upside with the Seahawks is turnovers. Like they even got some turnovers in this game, but like, yeah, they just gave up some. They didn't have a single sack, which I was stunned by. What's that? They didn't even have a sack, which I was stunned by. Well, that. Sacks are the most important stat line when it comes to fantasy defense. Like when you are looking for fantasy defenses, you should look for the defenses that have the most amount of sacks and roll with it. Like, especially in this league, because it's a cheap way to get points with fantasy defense, especially when you can lose points so easily as well. Yeah. I mean, we, when we set this defensive scoring up a while back, we set it up. So it'd be kind of crazy. Um, God, it, it really is nuts. Um, it, just for anybody listening out there that's not in the league, the big kicker is if your defense allows over 550-plus yards, you lose 15 points. So you basically lose that week if you pick a bad defense. Like, this is why, like, again, like, it's this league specifically, it was so important to make sure you spend up on a defense. Um, so it's really paying dividends for me. Like it's it's literally been the difference maker for like two weeks already, and it's going to continue. Like they're like one of my best players, the Bears defense. So um, <laughs> seriously, just because it doesn't hurt me, it it only helps me. Um, I I actually I thought I had a sneaky uh, move here, which you'll make fun of, but I felt like Mike Nugent was just super sneaky going to New England here. Um, and uh, I liked it. I like the pickup. I, I grabbed him before they officially signed him, but I just felt like he was the guy that they were rolling with, and they ended up doing it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, any concern on your end with Sterling Shepard here with Golden Tate coming back? Um, Not concerned because him and Danny Dimes seem to have a connection, and Shepard's really, really good when he's healthy. Um, then my only thing is wondering – I'm just curious how it's going to pan out with the two of them, which one's going to run more more routes in the slot. Because they both run over 
I, I think they both of them do over 60% of their routes from the slot. So it's going to be interesting to see who takes over that role. So I'm, I'm not trying to like help you out too much here, um, but like <laughs> just from a fear of a, a pure uh, analysis perspective, um, I, I watched a lot of Giants preseason football, which is why I was so high on Daniel Jones. He had really good chemistry with Golden Tate um, before the season started. So I could see, especially in a game where like Minnesota quarterbacks are pretty good, um, Golden Tate playing more out of the slot and getting that role. So I personally downgrade throwing Shepard. In that same breath, I don't mind giving you this kind of you know sheer uh, feedback of mine just from what I've seen on tape because, I mean, like normally you would start Devontae Adams and – if I was yeah. in your shoes, there's no way in hell I'd be starting Corey Davis or James Washington. Um, right. Really anyone I'm, in free agency over Sterling Shepard. So. Yeah, I'm locked into what I've got set due to injuries. That trade, that trade really did. Um, this is this is one of the consequences I saw coming. I didn't think it happened the very first week I acquired Adams. But this was one of those things that you and I had discussed in the group chat is that I'm one injury away from my whole season being ruined. And it sounds like Adam's turf toe isn't horrible. So hopefully he'll be back soon. But it could be a lingering issue for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's just one of those things where this this trade could have really hurt me. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Like the problem is that even when he comes back and plays, he might not be the same player for the rest of the season that he normally is just because it could bother him. So yeah, um, we'll see what happens with that. I feel pretty concerned about my chances against you this week just because I think Jarvis Landry is going to go off against the 49ers. Um, I think Nick Chubb will have an okay game. I don't think he's going to do what he did against the Ravens. But I think that the difference maker is going to be – I think Julio Jones is going to just completely shred the Houston secondary. (laughs) Um, So we'll see. Like I I, I just feel like I don't have anyone – the only way I see myself being you this week is if Ebron catches like two or more touchdowns from Jacoby Brissett. Like that's to how he's playing out. If for me to win, like I need a big game from Ebron uh, against Kansas City, and Brissett needs to go through Ebron primarily in the in the red zone here. So yeah, um, I think the Colson Chiefs is going to be an amazing. Sunday night football game. I think Brissett could end up absolutely shattering his 19 and a half point projection going way over that. I think so too. Um, but the thing is, I also see Deshaun Watson shattering his 20.4 point projection. Well, that's the thing. So, we, have, we have a lot of correlation here. Like, yeah. Um, you know, cause if Julio goes off realistically, like you could see Desha- like that game is a kind of a gas can kind of game. That game could yep. really blow up. Um, and if I get lucky and Watson hits Fuller uh, for a couple scores, like that, that would also like I need Watson and Fuller and Ebron to to play. Um, I need those guys to hit optimal levels, and everyone else just to kind of hit their floors for me to win this game. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it, it it's also in the same token if Houston's offense is firing on all cylinders. Atlanta's guy have no choice but to throw to Julio. So, yeah, I mean, this we have 
a potential high scoring matchup on our hands. I think it could be a really close game. Uh, because of that, I just have to roll with my own team for this one. Um, I'm not scared of betting against my team when I think they're going to lose. And normally I'm right when I do that. But um, I just think that I think that I could pull it off this week. It's going to be tough, though. A negative two points out of my defense definitely hurt my chances. But I'm still in this um, just because the rest of my team is so stacked. So, like I said, uh, it's, Bears defense could again be the difference maker here. It could against an Oakland team that sucks. So, and they're going to London, which is usually, well, there's no correlation really. Sometimes they're high scoring, sometimes they're low. I think like they're more often low scoring than high. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the London game, I think, makes it a, a pace down game, um, especially with those two teams. Like, I just see the Bears kind of. You know, again, the Bears' offense isn't anything stellar either. So, um, so question on that game. So, normally the London games start at like nine thirty in the morning. Is that actually going to happen, or like it still shows one p.m. But I can't tell if it's I think. Be I think that. what they did last year. I think they changed it last year, where they actually just started the games at a later time. Like I think they make it like a night game in London now, um, so it does start at one o'clock. Or like, a, or like an afternoon, like 4.30. I don't know how far ahead they are. I think they're like four hours ahead or three hours ahead of Eastern time. So um, instead of making it like a one o'clock game, they just decided to move it to a later time. Damn. Well, that's disappointing because I really liked all day football. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of nice just to wake up and football is like on. Like, right. It's, it's going already. Um, instead of waiting until one, but um, I think it just made it probably made more sense from like a viewership standpoint. So, agreed. Let's jump right into uh, Kuhar and Andres here. Yeah, so Kuhar is off to a pretty good start here because he gets nice points out of Greg Zerline, um, and Robert Woods doesn't hurt him with ten points as well. I yeah. I don't know, man. Like I could see Kuhar winning this. Yeah, Mike Evans' 16-point projection doesn't make sense to me. Um, against New Orleans, that smells like a, a, a Tampa Bay blow-up. You know what I mean? I feel like they're going to go off again. I mean, he's got tough cornerback, Matt. Like, he's going to be up against Lattimore. Lattimore's gotten burnt all every game this year except for last week. So You're I mean, right. He has not looked as good. Um, he is not. But I feel like there's a little bit of um, – I, I, I'm, this is me just completely talking off the top of my head here, but um, I feel like Evans historically does not do well against the Saints. Like this, this almost like happens every year. I want to say, right? Or is this? Um, it's either the I, Saints or it's it's one of the teams in their division. But I believe it is the Saints where it's like Evans just his matchup against like Lattimore just like has his number. I don't remember if it's Lattimore beats up on him or if he beats up on Lattimore. It's one or the other. Yeah, it's like one of those things, though. So, like, um, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I think he could probably just hit, like, right. I think that 16-point number is actually a fair number, in my opinion. I, I think he goes way over. And I really like what he's doing, starting Mike Williams in his OP slot. Um so then he's starting Mike Evans, Robert Woods, Mike Williams, and then Cole Beasley. Um, Beasley's 
not great, but he possesses a decently high floor. And um, yeah, I I like what he's doing here. I think I really think he's going to beat Andres. Look at what the Saints did against the Cowboys, though. Um, it, you know, like Evans and Amari Cooper are very similar kind of players, so I could see it kind of going more through Godwin as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect there. I think the Cowboys were overrated, but the Saints' defense since Breeze has gotten hurt, it's like they all stepped up. Like we got to do this because Bridgewater can't. So the Saints, um, the Saints can play the run though too, and it's not like. You know, it's not like the Buccaneers' offense is as good of an offense as the Cowboys. Like, let's be real here. Um, we'll see. I don't we'll think the run offense is anywhere close. And no, no. Um, I just, I just have a feeling that the Saints kind of handle the Bucks here, and the Bucks come back down to reality after um, that big win against the Rams here last week. So. Uh, I'm not I'm a not believer so sure. in Jameis. I'm sorry. Like everyone, like. It's hard to believe in him because he'll look great, and then the next week we'll just throw four picks, and, and it's like, what, what What do we expect from that's him? That's kind so. of what I expect this week. Like, I expect him to regress after a big week from him last week. So, I hope not because that Bucks, the Bucks receivers, and even I really like Ronald Jones, um, the way he's running right now. He had 72 yards of rushing called back last week on holding calls. Yeah. So, yeah. It, he's looked really, really explosive. I think that their offense could be one of the most fun to watch in football if Jameis can play decent. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't yeah. have that much faith in it. And I think that Baker and Odell could completely go off on Monday Night Football against the 49ers. Um, and he's running it back with George Kittle. Like, he does have some bad correlation here with the 49ers defense against Baker. Like, I would probably change that personally. Um is you have to roll with Baker and Odell, so you kind of have to look for something else other than the Niners. I think Odell has a really, really tough time with uh, Richard Sherman all night, and I think it's going to be Jarvis and Chubb again. I think they run – the way that Richard Sherman plays, though um, – He plays one side of the field. Right. So, I mean, I think they try and run Odell away from him because they want to get him work, um, but Landry will certainly benefit from that, I agree. So Odell – Odell's not the type of player to do that, though. You know, he's a guy who, like, calls everyone out, like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass, like, I'm going to dominate you all day. And then he, like, goes out there, and he gets his ass dominated by the shutdown corner. So, to me, Odell always shows up in primetime games. Like, it just – That is – okay, that does seem to happen. I know it's not – there's no stats – or there is stats to back that up, but, like, it's not There's no reasoning. Yeah, but, like, the 49ers' secondary is awful besides Richard Sherman, and Richard Sherman is really not even that amazing anymore. So I actually could see Odell and Landry both getting their – both getting some here. So. Richard Sherman's a taller corner, which I think really makes it harder on Odell. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of Jarvis Landry. So we'll see. I, I could see Odell going off, though, after you said the whole primetime thing. Because he does do that, so I think it's gonna be both, and I think he needs to make a decision on that 49ers defense here. Um, yeah. All right, we'll move on, and we'll go into Dennison and Caleb. And looks like Dennison's got a pretty good start here with Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson, nineteen point three, not a bad start at all. Um, is Caleb starting Diggs yet? 
Um, yes, there it is. Yep, he has him in. He's got Diggs. He's got Hardman in that projected shootout against the Colts. Um, Dennison's projected to wipe the floor. I think this could be decently close. Yeah, I think um, for me, like, I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to go off. I think Josh Gordon could also have a good game. I personally think that Dennison's Dennison has this game, especially with that Colts game Sunday night. Um, yeah, with him having Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, yeah. Boy, trust good win. Hardman could have a good game, but like, not sold on. James Light Nikler could do well. Like, I just think I think that um, Dennison's going to edge him out here. So, Caleb needs to play Damian Williams um, over James White. That has to happen. He I don't know, man. Needs- I mean, like in a full PPR, it, it could work out. Um, is I, Damian Williams I think gonna... in order to offset the shootout, though, you gotta hope Damian rushes. I, a I agree. Touchdowns. I agree. Like, because the way this could work out for him is like this is how you get leverage against your opponent. You have Mahomes and Kelsey going up against you. So if Damian Williams knocks down like two rushing touchdowns, that then hurts Mahomes and Kelsey. Like that lowers their potential here. So, um. I think that's kind of how you offset it, and then you can offset it even more. Where if Mahomes hits Hardman instead of Kelsey, like, like you just kind of have to take some chances here and hope yep. that it correlates in your way. Agreed, agreed, and especially with like why he's playing Marquise Goodwin, I I can't really figure that one out. Wait, what? Oh uh, my god! Yeah, I, I don't know. He uh, needs to hit the waiver wire for somebody better than that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess if Cleveland's destroying the Niners and they do have to throw, I guess my other question is like, is Denzel Ward out again? Um, he is. Um, Ward and some somebody else, another top secondary guy. Yeah, like Cleveland. their secondary is hurting, so this could work out with Goodwin. Um, but I don't like to take too much stock in the 49ers. I mean, again, if we think that the Browns' offense is going to go off, the, easily the 49ers could run it back here. So. Um, Goodwin's just kind of a dart throw, but could potentially work out. Um, yeah. I just feel – I do feel strongly about – I agree with you on Damian Williams now that I'm thinking about it, though, just because of who Dennison has as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got to make that move in order to give him give his team a shot here. Um, and let's hope he does that. All right. We'll move on to Jimmy here. I think personally, I think Jimmy's got this in the bag, like – he just had such a great start here between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. And he's got plenty of firepower after that still on the way, um, really across yeah. the board. So, I mean, even though he's rolling with one quarterback here this week, uh, it's, you know, this is the fab budget. Like, you know, you had so much money spent on Mason Rudolph here yep. that, um, you know, you kind of have to play him. And you're not playing Josh Jacobs against Chicago, I feel like. Uh, Terry McLaurin is interesting, but he's going up against New England with, you know, Colt McCoy starting at quarterback. So, um, I don't know. I, I think that he's, his starters are in the right spot. I, I don't think I would take anyone on his bench and play him over them, but I, I think that this is the week that Jimmy probably beats Nate. Um, I agree. I agree. It's, it's too bad for Nate that Sam Darnold is out. 
Otherwise, I would definitely play Robbie Anderson. Um, Over in who? The OP, in the OP slot instead of Mason Rudolph. Oh, um, yeah, I, I would consider that. But I think that just, you know, with what he has on his bench, like Nate's team is really top heavy. All of his starters are pretty legit yeah. here, but like he doesn't have much depth. So like, again, he's one of those teams where it's like an injury or two away from like really hurting. Um Sonny Michelle, I think, is going to have a good game. Alvin Kamara always has a good game. I'm a little concerned about Jameis. So, I, I just think that Jimmy's team pulls it out this week here. I think Amari Cooper gets shut down by Jari Alexander. I think so, that could easily happen. Jari Alexander is legit for the Packers. Yep. So. And he's a big he's a big guy, too. Big guy, big corners do better against big receivers, you know? Yep. Um, if, yep. If, he was, if Jari Alexander was up against Stephon Diggs, I'd feel the opposite way, that Stephon Diggs has a better shot than if he was up someone faster like Marlon Humphrey. But um, Cooper being a big guy up against a big corner who's already shut down a lot of guys to start the season, I think that's a recipe for disaster for Amari Cooper. Yeah. All right, so I think we're in agreement that Jimmy probably wins, especially with – Agreed. Yep. Going yeah, into Jack and Tackett here. Jack's off to a fantastic start. Um not a fantastic oh start, but a decent start here with Gurley really hitting his ceiling. Um, Brandon Cook's getting hurt in that game. Otherwise, he probably would have gotten over 10. So, uh, again, I mean, Tackett's got the Rams defense who put up minus one point. Um, I don't know. I think I think that Jack could pull this game out here. I agree. That, that definitely helped him, the minus one point. Um for the Rams defense, if the Rams defense put up anywhere north of eight points, I'd feel favor in uh, I would feel in favor of Tackett's team, but I I could easily see Jack pulling this one out. Right now, Jack does not have anyone in his kicker spot, so I guess we'll see if he uh, decides to play a kicker. I'm sure he will, uh, but I think he made a point to go out and grab Colt McCoy here. So, yeah, I think. What do you think? He went out to get McCoy so that someone else couldn't use him? Oh, yeah, he he probably did that so that Tackett couldn't because Tackett's only other option was, well, he's got Kirk Cousins and Flacco. Not sure why he did that yet, but my guess is he's going to drop um, Colt McCoy for a kicker. Um, I think he holds on to Colt McCoy. I think he probably drops like Chris. Um, I don't really see any reason to hold on to Chris Herndon here. Uh, especially because he already has two tight ends and OJ Howard and Mark Andrews. So, oh yeah. So I think think that's probably the move um, that he's going to drop Herndon for a kicker. And then um, I think he's just going to hold on to McCoy because if McCoy does well, he's, you know, his kind of like quarterback three here um, and can fill in for maybe a week or two later on in the season. If, if McCoy can kind of, hold the fort down here so yeah we'll see but I, I do agree there there's probably an element in play that he was playing a little bit of defense to avoid him getting a quarterback um interesting that Tackett is I know it's hard but I personally would play Cousins in that OP spot and play Hilton over John Brown or Alshon likely Hilton over John Brown Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I lost it for a hot second there. I was just saying I would play in that OP spot like 
personally, I would be playing Cousins in that OP spot against the Giants' defense and Hilton over John Brown. Yes, I I agree with that totally. Um, all right, so we can likely move on here. I am going to run with Jack's team as winning this matchup uh, against Tackett here. Um, it's going to be close, though, so that this one can go really either way. Yeah, yeah, so let, let's move forward and take a look at Carl and Lennon, which um, Lennon had a great start with Goff and Cooper Cup, and I already liked Lennon's team a lot. Um, personally in favor here. So I'm definitely going that route. Yeah, like I think that's a really good start between Cooper Cup and Goff. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you can't really expect a whole lot. Heck of a uh, free agent find with Will Disley, though. Um, And watching these Seattle games, Will Disley is not going away, and he is going to be a strong portion of this offense here. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. I thought that was kind of one of those um, random blow-ups, and it wasn't really going to, like, continue. But Disley is one of Russell's favorite targets right now, probably his second favorite target behind Lockett. So um, Disley could be the real deal. He could be that that Ebron. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could have a continue to have a blow up year here. So when I look at this matchup, I feel pretty good about um, I feel pretty good about Lennon's te- team this week. Uh, I think he knocks off a win and, um, you know, Chris Thompson will certainly get some catches playing catch up here but overall I, I just feel a little bit better about um uh, about Lennon's team winning this game so agreed I think MVS is gonna blow up against Dallas with Devontae out so that's definitely gonna help him yep cool so I think that's it here um you know so we'll go ahead and and sign off any uh last um, regards or comments here Derek uh good luck to all the teams in our league out here and um Hopefully, no significant injuries this week. We haven't had a a week yet without significant injuries, so hopefully this is one of them. Fingers crossed. So signing off here for the Fantasy Football Bros, our Mark and Derek, good luck going into the week five uh, week of the season here.